Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. My mandate this afternoon is going to come from the Gospel of St. Mark, the 10th chapter. And I'm going to begin about the 46th verse. The 46th verse. This is Jesus walking place to place with his disciples, preaching the gospel and demonstrating the power of God. They come to Jericho, do what they have to do, and then through Jericho with his disciples, a great multitude is following him, as the 46th verse tells us. Now, there comes a fellow they meet called blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, who sat by the wayside begging. Bartimaeus was a beggar. Bible calls him blind Bartimaeus. And there it struck me how somebody can go through a situation, a circumstance, an experience, and start to be labeled by that experience. That experience takes his first name. This man was blind and he was a beggar. And he begs for so long that everybody knows him as blind Bartimaeus. You would have said there's a Bartimaeus on the road somewhere on the highway. You meet him as a blind fellow. You could give him a coin. But blind Bartimaeus, his first name, his first name, like your first name, my first name would be Grace, right? His first name was blind Bartimaeus. This is not the name his father, Timaeus called him. This was the name his circumstances labeled him with. So somebody can go through a situation until they start even either first naming you or son naming you that circumstance. You can go through a sickness for a long time until it's not Steve with leprosy but leprous Steve. Freaky Freddy, Dirty Willy, Crazy Joe. You see, eh? When I was growing up, a lady I knew, she was among those old spirituals in Uganda. We have, they used to call themselves the awakened ones. They were Zukufu, right? They don't do earrings. They don't do anything. They comb their hair straight with a hot comb. And this lady used to love, you know, putting on those, the suits. Eh? You know, women have those suits, jacket looking the same as the skirt, but she never used to iron. She never used to what? Iron. For as long as I remember her, she never used to iron. It became so popular where we live that everybody knew if you were identifying, they would say, <laughs> the other sister who doesn't iron. You understand? Then they put her name. For her, she had this mindset, Jesus you mean in a second, in a second, real. Does it matter if 
celestial will put on terrestrial or terrestrial will put on celestial Jesus can come any second why should I iron she's still alive up to today she has aged but she still struggles to what iron Jesus is about to return she's still waiting for the return of Christ like all of us are but the only difference is that you iron your clothes you understand so situation circumstances can label you and i know people who have been labeled something can take over your life for years until it can only name you spiritual and even as i go further to preach this i want to make a prayer that if there is anybody in this house because you might not even know you've been named you could be sitting here but the people who backbite you blackmail you speak behind your back have actually named you begging Thomas of this i pray in the mighty name of jesus if you have any label that has not been ordained by heaven may this someone this afternoon change your story and name you right in jesus name that was important so this fellow begging hard that there was a man called Jesus of Nazareth he was passing by and then Bartimaeus starts crying out Jesus thou son of david have mercy on me he's crying out and when he started saying that many charged him that he should hold his peace he's screaming and then he cried out the more a great deal thou son of david have mercy on me so you imagine this fellow screaming son of david have mercy on me son of david have mercy on me oh, stop screaming son of david have mercy on me hey you're screaming son of david have mercy on me and then he continues screaming as many charge him not to And Jesus the Bible says in verses 49 stood still and commanded him to be called saying unto him be of good comfort rise he calleth thee and he casting away his garment rose and came to Jesus and Jesus answered and said unto him what will you that I should do unto thee what will thou that I should do unto thee that's king james and the blind man said unto him lord that i may receive my sight that i may receive my sight he didn't say that i may be given sight i want you to note the words he used blatemas did not say that i may be given sight he says that i may receive my sight that means he's conscious that sight is available He just wants to receive his miracle. Who got it? You see? And I'm going to come back to that a bit later. And the Bible tells us, and Jesus said unto him, "Go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole." And immediately Bartimaeus received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Hallelujah. Now allow me to help us go back for those people who maybe have just joined ministry or have just started connecting to this message because you know um you could have been in the gospel for quite some time but maybe have not yet been connected to the truth 
or some of you who have just been born again. So those of you who are old in the faith, who are already connected, allow me to always go back for people. I always tell people that it is love sometimes to speak in the simplicity, to make sure that all men are with us. Because you see, the Bible tells us that um, knowledge puffs up but love edifies. You see, there is a pride that comes with progressive knowledge, gnosko, that I connected to something available in the atmosphere, in the spirit realm, in the ether, and I'm inflated in my spirit, you know, to speak or release it to somebody. But I can be thus far excited to teach an oracle that is not relevant to the man that I'm speaking to where he is. So it takes so great wisdom and maturity and a discipline on my part as a minister, like Paul says, that to the weak I became weak. And he says to those that are under the law as one which is under the law, to them that are without the law as one which is without the law. He says, I have become all things to all men that I might by all means serve some. He says, I am man. You see? So when you go to people who are under the law, sometimes to win them from, you know, that place and take them to submission to the grace of God, some people, you know, ignorantly and immaturely come imposing their experiences on those people. And God says, no. Sometimes to win these people, you have to be made as one among them. And that's why the, even the John sometimes use that language and say, brethren, if we say that we have no sin, he say, he's trying to be one with some of those people. He knows what Christ has done in him and the righteousness imputed unto him by faith. But sometimes you have to be among them that you might serve some. Brethren, we are weak in this. Why? Because you want to connect to them and drag them through love. So sometimes some of you are so impatient when I'm going back for other people, but it's maturity for you sometimes to know, oh, here maybe this man of God is trying to go back for somebody who was once in the place where I was at. You follow what I'm saying? Now, for those of you who are just begun this, you know, journey, I want to explain to you that like there is a physical realm, there is a spiritual realm, and the faculties that were given to you in the physical realm were given to you also in the spiritual realm. In the spirit realm, we have ears. In the physical realm, we have ears. In the spirit realm, we have eyes. In the physical realm, we have eyes. Some people can see in the physical realm, but they cannot see in the spiritual realm. Are you following me, child of God? Some people can hear in the spiritual realm, but they cannot hear in the physical realm. So it is with things like testing. When a man says that your word is as honey, it's an experience spiritual. It's not an experience physical. He says, how sweet are thy words unto my test. They're sweeter than honey to my mouth. He tested the word of God with his spiritual tongue. Are you following what I'm saying? Because you see, like you have, like, okay, let me make it simpler for you. Like I'm speaking physically here and you're, you know, receiving from me what you are able to interpret from where you are with God. There's another vocabulary by which I am speaking to you spiritually. And that's the vocabulary 
that is built before I get the language to speak to you. When you look at Paul, for example, Paul, the man who God uses to actually lay down the New Testament, as we know it, the Bible tells us that he was a man of a very weak tongue. He was not a man who knew how to speak. The Bible says in his letters, he is weighty and powerful. But when you look at Paul, his bodily presence is weak and his speech is contemptible. That means Paul was somebody you needed so much grace to understand when he spoke. Yet it's through that man that God laid the mystery of the New Testament. As a master builder, he says, it was given to me to lay the foundation. Another man can build thereupon. Nobody can build or lay this thing that Christ has laid by me. But how he gets into a man with a weak speech and chooses him to lay the foundation of the New Testament. And then God accentuates the language he has given him in spirit through his letters. And that is what God preserved. God preserved his strength, not his weaknesses. You see what I'm saying? So at the end of our administration, what really remains were not the mistakes we made in grammar. They will be able to separate that from the mysteries we are demystified. Because treasures are in Athen vessels. You see? Now, my qualification is not just the language I'm able to articulate with. That's not sufficient enough. When you look at the man called Apollos, people speak only of the doctrine Apollos knew. But not many people touch the foundation that defines who Apollos was. What's the meaning of Apollos, the Greek name? Why did he keep that name? When almost all the people we know used by God translated to the place of apostleship, usually had a change of name because your naming is important spiritually. There are things that touch his foundation that explains way beyond the eloquence. The Bible says he was a mighty orator, but a man also fervent in the spirit, right? He was fervent in the spirit. But he did not have enough spiritual grammar. He did not have the authority in the spirit realm to command the purpose that was ordained for that time and the hour. So like I have, or you will have your language here. There's many people who know how to speak, but they're not preaching the truth. And if you live in a time where you're fascinated by semantics and this joining of good words, vocabularies, and richer texts, you might lose the context. Why? Because there are many people who can't tell the difference. They hear like people are preaching the same. There are many people who have not yet come to the knowledge of the truth. You see, you can ever learn. The Bible says they are ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. When you get to know truth, even if a man is stuttering, you can tell. The Bible says with stammering lips or stuttering lips, he says, I will speak to my people. God doesn't need for you to have a very eloquent language for you to be able to speak. Oh, well, if you have it, it's a plus, but heaven doesn't need it. Isaiah 28 verses 11, he says, with stammering lips and another tongue, will he speak to his people? God can speak even through a stuttering person. He can speak even through a donkey. Are you following what I'm saying? So when you have bearing here, if I'm able to speak to you, okay, it's not what I'm able to, you know, deduce to as I'm communicating to you, but it's the authority that gives me a spiritual vocabulary for you to understand beyond what the language given me has the power to put into words. That's what speaks to you. You see? Everything you have in the earth present has a spiritual bearing. That's what I'm trying to emphasize here. Everything you have in the physical has a spiritual bearing. 
So I have seen people who have not trained their spirits to the acuity, okay, that they desire in the spirit to function effectively in the earth. And like I said, this is beyond what, you know, the world or the fallen wisdom would approve. It's a place. It's a place. Otherwise, you'd say, ah, a man like Paul, he should not be laying the foundation. Or why would Moses go to Pharaoh? But his words are put in error. His words, Moses' words are put in error. Are you following what I'm saying? So everybody has a spiritual bearing that defines what you carry physically. Now, there is a circumstance where somebody can be uh, blind physically, but they can see spiritually. There are also instances where somebody can be blind spiritually, but they can see physically. There are also instances where somebody can be both blind physically and blind spiritually. But if you were given two options to say that we cannot give you both, but we'll give you one of the two, to either be uh, blind physical but can see spiritually or to be blind spiritually but can see physically, which would you choose? Many would say spiritually. But because maybe you have a certain understanding of what that means. But I'll tell you the truth, not many people can choose. Are you following me, child of God? Not many people can choose spiritual vision of a physical vision. Because you have never imagined what it would feel like for you to be born all your life and you've never seen color. And every expression of human life and its existence is only defined to you to imagine a world you have never entered with your vision. And it's possible to live in a world you have no clue about. Look at babies when they're born, a newly born. They are in the world, but they're not conscious of the energies. They're not conscious of the vibrations. They're not conscious of the intellectual life. They're not conscious of the systems. They're not conscious of anything, but they're feeding. They're sleeping. They feel, but they only know one thing. If I can rest and eat, that's sufficient for me. That's all they know and that's all they can be. Are you following what I'm saying? But then they start to grow and realize that actually this world has its own set of rules. They were used to one world where they didn't need to walk, they didn't need to talk, they didn't need to see, they didn't need to hear. And they were okay. Babies don't complain in the womb because they don't see another world. One wise man said sometimes it's not in the questions I'm able to ask, but in the questions I might never be able to ask because I don't even know them yet. Seller. So, let's go back to what I'm saying here. Blind Bartimaeus is an example. Oh, now I'm starting to preach. Blind Bartimaeus is an example of a man who saw before he saw. Of a man who had a vision, spiritual, before the physical vision came. And I'm going to explain it. The Jews when you read the Old Testament, they always knew and had expected that the Messiah was coming. When God appeared to David, he told him, I'm going to establish your throne forever. Your seed 
shall sit on that throne. Psalms 89 verses 35. He says, once have I sworn by my holiness that I will not lie unto David. His seed, he said, shall endure forever and his throne as the sun before me. It shall be established forever as the moon, as a faithful witness in heaven. So he told this man, your seed shall abide forever. He even promises and says, if they misbehave, I'll chastise them as a parent chastises his own children. But I will keep them on your throne. This I have given you. The covenant of salt he made with him in Chronicles. He tells him this was to preserve his word with David. That the kingdom of Israel shall always be set with the throne of David on top of it. And his seed forever. Even to him and his sons by a covenant of salt. So they knew that if there is a Messiah one day going to come. He's going to come from the seed of David. They always knew it. They expected it. Are you following what I'm saying? But these Jews already suspected that this Messiah was going to come as a political figure to help them conquer not only uh, their neighbors, but to conquer the world for them. They are thinking of a political figure, someone to come with, you know, nuclear bombs and bazookas and ballistic missiles and, you know, fighter jets. And they, that's the mindset they have, a political leader to lead over a government of sort and, you know, help establish them to the order and peace they desire as the seed of God. That's what they think. That's why when the Messiah comes and is not taking over Rome, they're still under Roman rule. They don't believe this is the king that was promised. It cannot be this guy. Because he promised that he shall restore the kingdom to Israel. You remember the promise in scripture? That the Lord shall restore the kingdom to Israel. So we expect that he's going to take over vast territory with power. He will have an army. This fellow here, he's saying he's king, but Rome still has its power over us and we are subservient to it. This is not the man we expect. Praise the Lord. But it was prophesied that this man would come. In Isaiah the ninth chapter, the sixth verse, he says that unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. There's a mystery there. Children are born, sons are given. Some of you in ministry are children. You're not sons. You're not yet gifts. A son is given. That's a gift. Right? Children are born. You're just in the ministry to enjoy the privileges that come with being a child of God but you have not taken on the responsibility that comes with such power to be a gift to the ministry where you are. So that means you are a child, you're not yet a son. Nepios, spiritual baby, that's a child. Heos is the mature one. Those are the ones which are led by the Holy Spirit because they have found purpose and assignment in the kingdom. The people who just come to church to get a job they come to church to get a car. When they get a car now, they want a house. Then from a house, they want a child. And then from a child, they want a promotion. And then they want this increase. And then you're in the presence of God, always taking and taking, but not giving you a child. Paul says, when I was a child, I thought as a child. I understood as a child. I spoke as a child. But when I grew up, I threw away childish things. That's why I tell people in Panero, everyone in this room, do something. It doesn't matter how small it is. Make yourself useful. Be a gift. Hallelujah. Now, this child born unto us, the Bible says, the government shall be upon his shoulders. Now, the Jews think political government. 
His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And he says, of the increase of his government and peace thereof, there shall be no end upon which throne, the throne of David, comma, and upon his kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, for the zeal of the Lord shall perform this. So they know that the person coming is going to establish a government and of the increase of that government, there shall be no end. By the way, that portion of scripture is so deep. I used to read it until one day I understood it. When I understood Isaiah 9-7, I knew that Fanero will grow and grow and grow with no end. When I understood what this meant, I knew that my ministry will grow and grow. So was a, how does it grow? The Bible has said of the increase of his government, comma, and the peace thereof, there shall be no end. And there's a spirit to order it and establish it. And underguarding it is the zeal of the Lord. And somebody says, but it's not working for me. Yes, because you don't know it. It's the truth you know that makes you free. But I say, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. But it's the truth you know that makes you free. I wish every minister understood Isaiah 9. I wish every minister understood Isaiah 9. You'd not worry about who went Oh, you, I'll curse you. Why did you leave the church? No. No, no, no. Nobody can snatch my children under me. It's not there. It's kind. You try. You'll only live with your wife. If you're married. And only because God can't put you asunder. That's what the Bible says. He says, none of your children shall be, your children shall not be snatched under thee. He promised it. My seed can't be snatched. Hallelujah. Let's continue. So he says, there shall be increase of this government. And whether I'm a pastor, there is increase of this government. Whether you're a business person, there is increase of this government. If you're not just building your business under the wisdoms of Plato and Nietzsche, but if you're building under the principles and patterns of the spirit, he says the increase shall be forever. The peace shall be forever. There's an order that establishes and patterns these things. The Bible says it was built upon the throne of David. It's a very important revelation. Very important revelation. Very important revelation. Even in the book of Revelation at the return of the Christ, you realize that the last temple to be rebuilt in the end times is the temple of David, no other man. It's the temple of David, he has promised. It's what he will rebuild in the end times. Now, he continues to again allude to what I'm expressing in Isaiah 11. Now that is two chapters later. Verse 1, he says, There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Remember, David is the son of Jesse. Those of you who don't know, David is the son of Jesse. And God is saying that out of that root and lineage of Jesse, there's a seed that will come out. Remember, I've already told people in the New Testament, every time God has used seed, he has spoken especially of one person, not many. Okay? In Galatians, when he speaks about the seed of Abraham, he says, not as of seeds, as of many, 
but as of one which is thy seed, which is Christ. So where you see seed, he's talking about Jesus. He's not talking about people who are of the lineage of Abraham by blood. Are you following me? Don't worry, you'll understand this. Verses 2 says, out of that stem of Jesse, the branch growing out of his roots, he says, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon that person. Him, the seed of David, out of the root of Jesse. The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. Listen, if I can teach only Isaiah 11, I can actually teach the dimensions of the anointing through Isaiah 11. There are seven dimensions of the anointing. Okay? Now, and these are the seven spirits of the Lord. Some people know them as the seven spirits of the Lord, but not many people are able to pattern them and define them in the language of the anointing. The anointing. Now, he says, and he shall make him quick of understanding. This man shall be quick of understanding because he's of a land spirit. The Lord has given the time of the land to know how to speak. A word to him that is wearing season. And he wakeneth my ear to hear as one which is learned. When a man hears as a learned one, he understands quickly. All right? May you receive it in Jesus' name. Somebody receive it. Now the Bible says, He shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness, the Bible says, shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. The Bible says, with righteousness shall he judge the poor. Now listen to this. Bartimaeus knows. He has been hearing the scripture since he was blind. He used to go to the synagogues and hear what they're teaching. That there is a man going to come. And they're reading from the, you know, the prophets. The Isaiahs are speaking. And all through the rest of the men and women that have been given utterance by the Holy Spirit. That there is somebody coming. Follow this. I don't want you to lose this. There is somebody coming. He's of the root of Jesse. He has wisdom. He has understanding. He has knowledge. He has all of these things. But he is going to give righteousness in judgment for the poor. The Bible says, with righteousness shall he judge the poor. Now, Bartimaeus knows there is a seed of David that one day in righteousness shall judge the poor. In righteousness, in right standing with God according to the will and purposes of God, he shall judge the poor. Bartimaeus is a poor man. The Bible tells us that he was on the highway always begging. He knows there is a seed going to come through the lineage. Oh, you got it? You got it? You got it? He knows there is a seed going to come through the lineage of David. And that seed with righteousness will judge a poor man. What judgment would a poor man need in righteousness? He knows, but Tamas knows that he's only begging because he cannot see. If he can get somebody to give him sight, he will not be a beggar. So the Bible says, he hears that Jesus of Nazareth is coming. He says, no, this was or is the seed of David that is prophesied in righteousness to judge my cause as a poor man. And I know this one comes with wisdom, comes with enough power, comes with the anointing. He has a government that cannot be resisted. 
This one gives sight to the blind. He sets the captives free. This one makes the poor rich. Remember the Bible says it was spoken of him that the spirit of the Lord is upon that one. He says because he has anointed him to preach the gospel to the poor. He has set him to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind as it was prophesied by Isaiah. He knows this one if he meets a blind man and understands my poverty and the state I've been living in, this one can give me sight. It's in that revelation. That, that's why I'm saying that Bartimaeus saw before he saw. Am I preaching to somebody? So when he heard, they did not tell him that the son of David is coming. No, he heard that Jesus of Nazareth is coming. And he remembers Isaiah. He knows this one gives sight to the blind. He preaches to the poor. With righteousness, he judges the cause of the poor. And he starts screaming, son of David, have mercy on me. I know that you're walking and you're busy. You are in a multitude and everybody encompasses you. But I know there's a revelation you will hear and not turn. If you have not turned, you have only not heard. I'm going to keep screaming until you hear me. Am I talking to somebody? He says, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, all I know is I just want to him to hear that there's a man who has a revelation of him and the bible says when jesus heard it stood still said who knows that i'm a seed of david who blind dead crippled deaf who who am i preaching to who knows who has a perfect revelation of who i am who who said it call him for me When they call him, he asks him, what will you want me to do for you? He says, you give me sight. You give sight. You are sight. I just want to receive. Who, who has understood what I just said? Because it's one thing to be given, it's another to receive it. I just want to receive my sight. I know it's there. I've met you. Come on, somebody. Am I talking to somebody? He says, I have met you. You are sight. This, some of you must understand the revelation. This revelation. When you meet Jesus, you can't be poor. You can only receive your wealth. Are you following what I'm saying? When you meet Jesus, you cannot be sick. You can only receive. Because sickness cannot stand in the presence of Jehovah God. Am I preaching to somebody? He asks him, what will you want me to do? He says that I may receive my sight. Then he tells Bartimaeus, your faith. I don't need to pray for you. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. You had something in Isaiah. You had something in the prophets before. And you believed it. That thing you believed has made you whole. When Jesus said it, the Bible says, immediately, Bartimaeus received. The Bible doesn't say he was given. Your provisions are available. 
Your promotion is available. Your marriage is available. That business is available. That ministry is available. You only need to connect to the revelation to receive it. That's why I'm telling you, Batimaya saw before he saw. I think a story is spoken of of a man, I don't know, was he or Robert, so one of us, a blind woman comes to him and she said, I cannot see. And the story said, it's one of those old greats. And then a blind woman comes to him and says, I want to see. And then he tells the woman, close your eyes. You know she's blind, right? He tells her, close your eyes. So the blind woman closes her eyes. He asks her, now do you see? He prays for her, no? He prays for her and then asks her, now do you see? After praying for her, then she opens and he says, she says, I don't see yet. He tells her, close them again. She closes the eyes again. This time he didn't pray for her. He asks her, do you see? No, I don't. Do you see? And she finally understood it. He was telling her, do you see in the spirit? That's what he was telling her. He was trying to tell her, first close your physical eyes. And make sure, let's make sure that you can see in the spirit at first. When the woman said, she got it and says, Oh yes, I can see. And he told her, open your eyes. When she opened them, she could see. Do you understand what I'm saying? Spiritually, you must see before you physically see. Spiritually, you must win before you physically win. Spiritually, you must conquer before you physically conquer. Spiritually, you must ascend before you physically ascend. Spiritually, you must progress before you physically progress. You can't get it physical if you can't do it spiritual. Bartimaeus was not asking to be given sight. He was asking to receive what he knows was already given. Somebody shout amen. He had already seen through the lenses of scripture. The Bible says, with righteousness you shall judge the poor. And the same Bible says, he will reprove with equity. That's a deep word. He will reprove with equity. You know, when we're talking about the wisdom to understand how the finances of heaven work, okay? There are principles that God has given us or designed for us to guarantee our liberty financially because we have such a great responsibility. The Bible tells us we shall lend to nations and not need to borrow. How could God give us such a great burden and responsibility without the tools? That's why I tell people, I learned this years ago, one of the easiest things, one of the easiest things 
to do when you're born again is to build wealth. It's the easiest thing. It's so easy. I know you might say, Apostle Grace, only because you don't see. But wealth is one of the easiest things and I'm testimony. I've seen things that there's a way God just opened this thing up to me and I understood it in such a way and I've never been broken another day and don't expect me to be broke ever again. Ever. Because this government is forever. <laughs> it's forever. Are you following what I'm saying? And there is peace with it. Not the more money, the more problems. No. There is peace with it. Somebody shout hallelujah. So there are principles that God has given us to govern. How we build wealth. Now this is a very, very important, very important clue. He says, he will reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. Those which are humble in the spirit. He says he will reprove with equity. Those of you who have done finances, you'll know the difference between equality and equity. Our God is a reprover for equity, not equality. What is equality? Equality ensures that everyone is given the same opportunities. Best line. Make sure that everybody accesses the same opportunities. But it doesn't answer the questions that equity answers. For example, that let's just say all of us had the same health facilities or services, same education services. That's, that can only give a perfect balance if there's a presupposition that all of us started on the same level. Let's just say the government says everybody in the country shall receive a million shillings every month. That's only to take us to the perfect balance if all of us started from zero. But imagine that one million was given to a person who already had a billion shillings. That's why equity comes in. So equity says no. Not everyone is going to start on the same level and no man is ever going to be equal to the other. So what are we going to do? We're going to make sure that we give everyone whatever they need whatever is needed for them to have equal access to the opportunities. Equal access. Remember the word access. Empower a person. Empower people to have everything they need for equal access for the opportunities. But don't define how far they use those opportunities. That is why we have the parable of the sower. That is why we have the parable of the faithful steward. You remember the stewards? The parable of talents? Jesus says, I've given you a hundred dollars, you a hundred dollars, you a hundred dollars. I'm going to come back after a long time and see what you have used with it. In other words, I've given you what you need to access. It's not your end. It's just an empowering tool to help you access the opportunities you need. But how you use what I've given you is key. 
And then one went, he says, you give me your pound, my master, and your pound has gained me 10 pounds. He gave them all the same equality, but he knew it was not enough. He knew they will not all live on the same standard and level. He wants to see what they are going to do with what they've been given. He says, okay, I gave you a pound. What have you done? The first one says, I turned that to 10 pounds. Next verse, and he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because you have been faithful in very little, have thou authority over 10 cities. Now listen to this. This is so deep. And I wish I was teaching in a financial summit or conference. I would express this more. Because see, this man turns one pound to 10 and God gives him authority over a city. That is faithfulness in a pound has given him authority over a territory. Because God can trust him to multiply his spirit. And the only way to multiply his spirit is to entrust him with a city. And every city comes with a throne and a gate. Access. The second one said, your pound gained five pounds. And he said likewise to him, give him five cities. He has what? Ten cities. This one has five cities. And another came saying, Lord, behold your pound. When you gave it to me, I kept it in a napkin. For I feared because you are an austere man who takes up where you did not lay and reaps where you did not sow. I had to keep it. I made sure I don't spoil it. You've equally given to us, but one kept it. Are you learning something? And I'm here because, because, only because Bartimaeus was a beggar. If he wasn't a beggar, I would not be touching this. The master tells him, your mouth will judge you, O wicked servant. He has called him wicked. It's wickedness not to multiply what God gave you. It's wickedness not to multiply what God gave you. He says, you knew that I was an austere man taking up what, that which I did not lay down and reaping what I did not sow. And he gives him another principle. I said they're about four or five. He tells him, why then didn't you give your money into the bank that at my coming I might have required my own usual? If you read the Amplified of that, simply he's put. He says, why then didn't you put my money in the bank so that on return I might have collected it with interest? Meaning, heaven has given you a principle of investment for those of you who invest when you have access to capital. God is saying here, if you are at the place where you don't know how to multiply what I have given you, at least study the wisdom of banking systems in the world. By the way, many of the banking systems in the world were built from biblical foundations. In fact, the Swiss banks were built by the Geneva Academy, which was started by John Calvin. Banks are built on systems, biblical systems. So he tells him, notice, at least take it to a bank. If I have a hundred million, an example, if I have a hundred million and a bank says, we're going to be giving you interest on your fixed deposit for a million shillings every month, right? That's 12% higher, isn't it? It means that for every month, my hundred million can make one million and heaven recognizes the systems of these banks because even God is in those systems. God tells his servant, 
if you did not have an idea to invest, at least invest in the least investment of how much interest a bank can give you because it's using everybody else's money. Meaning, for whatever investment, this is a fundamental principle you could ever make in life, make sure on a monthly or in a year, it should not earn you less than the interest a bank is willing to give you. Because if you do, then you're weakened. You don't know how to manage money. And people who are like that, usually their businesses fail. And then they come and say, oh, I was tithing. I was tithing. I was giving fast fruit. I did everything. Why did my business fail? You ask them, how much money did you have in capital? They said 100 million. Then you ask them, how much was the business giving you every month out of the 100 million? And then they say 800,000 or 500,000. Then you tell them, if you had gotten this 100 million and put in a fixed deposit in a bank, how much would you have received? A million shillings. So if you can make less than a bank can pay you, that's already wrong investment. It's just one of the five, you see? So some of you, the reason why your businesses are not thriving, it's because you have not built on principles. This one reproves equity. We'll never have a world like some governments think where all of us have the same. That's imbalance because you're taken away from faithful and hard workers. And some people don't want to work, but you want them to access what the hard workers are accessing. That's not heaven. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, somebody. He reproves with equity and he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked and righteousness shall be the God of his loins and faithfulness the God of his reigns. But they're talking about a son or I believe when Bartimaeus received this miracle, I'm sure people started asking, how did you receive this miracle? And I believe Bartimaeus started to tell them, you see, this was a son of David. He was not just Jesus of Nazareth. And then he starts to expound and then the messages start flowing and the rumors start moving that if you want a miracle from this one, address him as who he is, not as a man in the flesh. In Matthew 9.27, Jesus meets two blind men and they start following him. There were also blind men seated there. I believe they had had these stories of Bartimaeus and the rest and they said, ha, the day we land on this guy, we shall do exactly what Bartimaeus did. So when they follow, 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 they hear he's coming through. They also start crying, son of David, have mercy on us. Because we know this is the one thing he cannot ignore. It worked for Bartimaeus. It can work for us. Come on somebody. It worked for Bartimaeus. It can work for us. And when he was coming to the house. The blind man came to him. And Jesus said unto them. Believe ye that I am able to do this. And they said unto him. Yeah Lord. What's the difference between these ones and Bartimaeus? He's asking these ones. Do you believe I am able to give you sight. But Tamas knew he is ready to receive. You get the difference? So they had received a part of the revelation, but they knew that this was a son of David and he was able. They were only in the realm of able. But Tamas knew it was finished. He's just receiving his miracle. These ones were in the able and they said, yeah, Lord, they confessed his lordship. That word is powerful. Then touched he their eyes saying, according to your faith, 
beaten to you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus straightly charged them, see that no man know, know of this. Your revelation is not yet full. Yet they need a full revelation. You see, these ones, listen, their eyes were opened. Bartimaeus received. He told him, you wait. Wait. Don't say. You've received your healing. A woman in Matthew 15, 22 comes in the same way from Canaan. She tells him, son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. He checks her face. But eventually he heals her. Son of David. Triumphant entry in Jerusalem. In his last days before he's crucified. He enters in Matthew 21 says, and they spread their garments in the way and they cut down branches from the trees and strode them in the way. And the Bible tells us that they went before him, followed him crying, Hosanna, listen, to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And I say, many ministers, when they're preaching this, they only go on the blessed is he which cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he which cometh in the name of the Lord. But many people don't emphasize that actually there was a revelation that preceded, which was that he was the son of David. When he knew that they had understood it, that they would connect to the prophecies Isaiah had spoken, that they would connect to the prophecy of Zechariah 9, 9. The Bible tells us, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king, your king, this is not a king. This is not a king of the world. This is a king of kings. He's a king established the kingdom of heaven. Your king cometh unto thee, and he is what? Just. Having what? Salvation. Lowly. And riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the fowl of an ass. This is Jesus fulfilling a prophecy that was given by Zechariah 9, 9. He says, now that you know this prophecy, do you have a revelation that that king they're speaking about is actually seed of David? They do everything Zechariah prophesies and Isaiah. And then they add, son of David. He sits on that donkey and he's okay. Why? Because they are doing it in revelation. They're not worshipping Jesus as a man. They're worshipping Jesus as a seed of David. This thing called son or seed of David is so deep. And this is a revelation that they had of old. It always used to cut through them as they experienced the things they touched so tested concerning the word of life. That is why when Matthew wants to teach, he says, I want to talk about this Jesus. I want to write a book about this man. Where should I begin from? What should I say? How should I introduce this person? And he says, the book of the generation or genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David son of Abraham. Today I've only taught about the son of David. There is a revelation on the son of Abraham. And that's Matthew chose to write that way. Because it was no small revelation. This thing gave blind men sight. This thing delivered men which were crippled. This thing ushered the fulfillment of divine prophecy for the crucifixion and resurrection of the Christ. But how many know him as a seed of David? 
Oh, how many actually understand that I labored through this whole time to tell you that your miracle is only one revelation of his person away. One revelation of his person away. Once you get a revelation of this person and it comes into your spirit, you will simply receive like Bartimaeus. God calls you to see before you see, hear before you hear, you know, become wealthy before you manifest the wealth. He, he seeks that you first get your spiritual bearings right and curate the ministry or the pattern or the course for the manifestation of what you must see in the world. Your problem is not a job. Your problem is not sickness. Your problem is not marriage. Your problem is not ministry. Your problem, it has nothing to do with what you see in the earth. Your problem is your revelation of Him. That is why if there is a prayer I have prayed more fervently than any prayer I have ever prayed in life is this. If you go back to my prayer books when I was little, my spiritual mother has still kept many of those. If you go in my section where I pray, I always say that I may know Him. Because I realize that the only missing sequence for us to walk in God's best is to know Christ. That's a journey that I'm living every day. And the opportunity that I thank God every morning, by His infinite grace and mercy, I am able to demystify this person. And it's in that demystification that the sick are healed, that the bound are free, that people are progressing, that you see answers in your houses. If you have not yet seen those answers yet, you have not yet understood what we preach. That's why this man says we can only give you what we touched, what we tested, what we have seen from the beginning, what we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. That your fellowship will be with us for our fellowship is with the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. If there is one thing, listen, stop coming to the presence of God to get. Invest your entire life to come in the presence of God to know. To know. I want you to speak to Jesus and the prayer you make is simple. Very simple. God, I want to know you. I want to know you. As we seek your face may we know you feel your presence acceptance as we seek your Move among us now. Come reveal your power. Show your presence. Acceptance. Move among us. Now, at your feet, we fall. 
like Paul says, but loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ for whom we count all things but down that we might win him and be found in him not having my own righteousness which is of the law but the righteousness which is of the faith of Christ Jesus. and my fellowship in your sufferings conform to your deaths 
that I might experience the resurrection power. There are people here God is giving grace to translate in the spirit for you to manifest in the physical. You needed a language in the spirit and he gives it for you to translate in the physical because it comes with an authority and the Bible says and he spake with authority and not as the Pharisees they spoke by intellect he spoke by power somebody receive that today wisdom is yours power is yours He's giving you the revelation of his person. And you're going to interpret things. You're going to manifest things. The power of God is going to be so mighty in your life. I see God set you on such a level of an anointing. Like you have not experienced before. Power of the Holy Ghost. God gives you a tongue that your adversaries will not be able to fight. God introduces you with heavenly language today. Miracles, the signs and wonders are going to follow you. You're going to see the glory of God like never before. I see somebody, God is rebuilding. He's rebuilding. He's literally rebuilding. He's, he's literally putting to peace everything that was broken and out of order. If you lost so much, say, God, I receive my restoration this afternoon. Because you see the builder of governments is with you. The giver of their peace is amidst us. The one with righteousness judges the cause of the poor. And he reproves with equity. Jesus is here. My God, Mazombra de Gatala Baralegado. Say, I receive Keshabrande Gosigalati. Because his revelation says it is finished. It is finished. That was his last vision in the flesh. And his first vision in the spirit after his resurrection. It is finished. Struggle and strife is no more. You'll not struggle in your marriage. You'll not struggle with your children. 
you'll not struggle in your finances somebody receives an anointing tonight to walk in financial liberty that only heaven can anoint receive it somebody spirit of poverty go I see promotions from east to west the Bible says they are from the Lord from the Lord your stars shall not dim it shall shine bright the Bible says that the path of the just shines brighter and brighter and to a perfect day he sent a word in Jacob and it lit Israel for God who commanded light to shine in darkness has shined in your hearts to give the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus now the Bible says God the loins of your mind and be sober and hope to the end for the grace that shall be given to you brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ the days ahead of you are going to be easier the months ahead of you are going to be smoother I decree and I declare that every door you shall stand before shall open before you knock it every gate you shall stand before it shall break asunder its chains will fall off even before you access it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I decree and I declare that access is yours. The windows of heaven are open to you to access revelation at such a speed and glory like you have never accessed before. May the spirit of revelation or insight set on your life. You will not die early. You'll not faint. You'll not falter. You'll not regress. You'll not go back. Regardless of what the doctor said. Regardless of what you see ahead of you. The Bible says fix your eyes. Above. Looking unto Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him. Endured the cross. Despising the shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He's the lifter of our head. He's the author. He is the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He has an answer for you. Receive your miracle today. Give the Lord a mighty hand of praise. Celebrate Jesus. Glory, glory, glory. Glory, glory, glory. I see. I see. I see my health. I see my progress. I see my promotion. I see my multiplication. I see my ministry. It is thriving day by day. I see my children 
They are blessed on every side and they grow up as cedar. My marriage works, my business works, my dreams work, my aspiration works. I have precision. My tongue is as a sharpened sword. My eye is ordained with such precision. I will not miss anything. I see it. 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 Oh yes, I see it. Oh yes, I see it. In Jesus' name. Hey, hey, hey. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, and you say, man of God, as you are preaching, I feel convicted to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Kindly repeat this as after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you shed your blood for my sins and you are raised for my glory. Today, I receive you as Lord and Savior of my life. Amen. I'm born again. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowship at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.